I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the original Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Happy Thursday, Levin. Yes, what a wonderful Thursday of absolutely nothing going on because the 49ers are on bye. I hate bye weeks. I love them because they're great for the team, but boy, are they boring compared to actually having an opponent. (laughs) Well, yes, but you know what? I'll take the week off. Um, We're going to look at... You didn't take a week off. No, I mean the 49ers. I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm giving you a hard time. Um, I'm going to enjoy that. For. Yeah, well, this just didn't. You think you'd give me a break, <laughs> but, you know, I guess not. We're going to get to the playoff games this weekend. We're going to get to some big news in the NFL coaching world. That's going to be the main thrust of the show uh, because it's sort of the end of an era in a lot of ways uh, around the National Football League. And obviously, we'll talk about what is going on with the 49ers because people are sniffing around that staff as well. We're going to get into all of that. I really think that this is now the official start of the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay era in the National Football League. Bill Belichick, no longer the head coach of the Patriots. Pete Carroll, no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. There are rumors Mike Tomlin may be stepping down at the end of the season. We don't know what's going to happen with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. There's rumors that he could get canned if the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl. I think this is it. McVay and Shanahan are the longest tenured coaches in the NFC right now. I think it's our time. Well, one, let's hope. Because currently it's McVay's league because he actually won a Super Bowl. So Kyle Shanahan has to win one in order to get to make that a thing, right? So if Kyle Shanahan wins this year, then that becomes a thing. If, say, Harbaugh wins his second one, then I would argue that it's the Andy Reid-John Harbaugh League because those two would become – Andy Reid's already there, but I think John Harbaugh, if he wins a second Super Bowl, there becomes a conversation of, all right, how high does he rank amongst all time? You know, he gets into that all-time conversation because he's been around like 15 years. And it would be multiple Super Bowls. So it, it's a swing a year. It's one of those years where it's almost like when last year when Tom Brady retired. All right, now we have this transition period of who's going to step up and be the face of the league. What is happening right now? I don't know. Happy what is happening? <laughs> Michelle Majuk is here. Michelle. What is going on? Well, you're crashing the show. I'm crashing your birthday party. <laughs> Did you? I, told you I had to send a text. You oh, planned this. This you... is a. <laughs> How old are you now, old man? Thirty-nine years old today. Yeah, you're you officially got... a year older than me again. You still got one more year to call yourself young. Yeah, that's what everybody is saying. My aunt was like, "Oh, you're young for one more year." Like, damn, that's it. That's all I get is that one more year. It is. So did you already talk about what you're doing for your birthday today? No, 
I'm not doing anything today. Why not? Didn't you say last week on the Gold Digger show that everything has to be about you on your birthday? And Yes, I like people to make a big deal on my birthday. I've been checking my Facebook page. People have been sending me messages. I love it. I love that it is my birthday. Don't get your hopes up about me on Facebook. I'll just say that. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not. I made a policy a long time ago in college. It's like, all right, I have almost a friend every single day that has a birthday. I'm not doing this every day. I'll just <laughs> not do anybody so that I don't get people going, well, you send him a message, not me. We're going. Yeah, Levin, you kind of look like you're wearing an apron. An apron? Yeah. Show the people what shirt you're wearing. I guarantee Michelle has no idea who's on that shirt. Oh, well, I didn't see the whole thing. Isn't that um like a Looney Tune guy? Oh, the, the um. I, I regret sending the link to you now. <laughs> <laughs> it's Darkwing Duck. Come on. You don't yeah, know. That's a Looney Tune. No, it's not. It's a Disney show from the yeah. 90s. Jeez, you don't know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now you don't know Darkwing Duck. I think we need to do like a an episode where we just go through every single cartoon from the 80s and 90s <laughs> and see if Michelle can even get 10% of them identified correctly. <laughs> Probably not. Sounds like an off-season show. Michelle, really quick, is Mike Tomlin going to be your head coach or is he going to step down after this year? Because there's some smoke out there. I think he'll be the head coach. I don't know. Uh, that seems like very random. It would be a random decision by him and really unfortunate for the franchise. You'd have Opens the door for Big Ben to come back and be the coach, right? <laughs> no, but if they do want to go hire a fun <laughs> offensive uh, coach, I'm down for that, actually. Then you would have Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin all retiring or leaving their teams, I should say, in the same season. It'd be wild. What would be crappy is if he waits a long time to do it, because then all the best coaches would be gone. True. Yeah. I, I don't see it either. I think he's Pittsburgh through and through. I'll let you guys finish your show, but I just wanted to come on and say happy birthday to my bestie. Thank you, Good Michelle. To see your face. Bye, guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. You jerk. You planned that from the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I heard your show last Friday. I was like, all right, I should invite Michelle on. And then I was sitting here and I was like, you ready to go live? And as soon as I asked you that, it dawned on me, wait, Rob sends the link every time to Michelle. She doesn't have the login like I do because she doesn't do any shows like on her own like when I was doing a few right. in the early days. So, yeah, I realized, wait, I got to send her the, a text with the link. Otherwise, she'll never get in here. I really should have picked up on that. Uh, Joey Rose says, oh, man, can we get a Michelle and Levin podcast? Oh, maybe. Um, Roger says, Kyle Shanahan needs a ring to be mentioned in that group of coaches. Yep. Yes, I think that's fair. But also, like, I just feel like we're on the precipice of this. Like, look what happened with Belichick once he got Brady. They were playing for the Super Bowl every single year. Andy Reid with McNabb was in the NFC Championship game, felt like, every year. Certainly with Patrick Mahomes. they." never fail to make the AFC championship game. Now that you've got Kyle and you've got Brock, it feels like that's the era that we are entering into. You know, Rob, if you like this narrative, you should put a ring on it. Huh? Huh? Yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Nice birthday, dad joke, pun. You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I heard you make one. I think it was with Michelle last week. Might have been. No, it was with Vish. You made one on Monday and Vish called you out on it. Yes, I know. The first thing he did when he returned was call me back out on my puns. It's pretty bad. Um, we do have some other 49ers coaching news. And it well, it's not really coaching. I guess it's more front office stuff. But 
it's Adam Peters, who apparently is in a second round of interviews with the commanders. And the reporting is that that they're going to make a decision in a few days, Levin. I had thought maybe Peters would be willing to wait until the end of the 49ers playoff run to see if they won a Super Bowl. And maybe he could become the GM in that case. But apparently, no, if he gets that job, he's going to take it. I mean, that would be running up against it a little bit, because if you wait until after the Super Bowl, you only got, what, three weeks until the combine? So you would already want your GM settled, moved in, moved across the country, you know, gotten all the logistic type of stuff out of the way. So then they're ready for the combine, not rushing to try to get up to speed to be able to go into the combine. I mean, you got to you got to set your scouts right when you become the GM, tell your scouts what to do, give them assignments, things like that. So I I would say the teams aren't going to wait. So I don't think Peters can wait either. That's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of that. The weird thing is, like, the commanders have a GM. Our Martin Mayhew, excuse me, is there now as the yeah. general manager. That seems like an odd situation. Don't you think that would be awkward? Oh, hey, Martin. Hi, Adam. Like, they know each other. And maybe maybe Adam Peters would be willing to keep him on board? Maybe. Uh, it just Possible. seems weird. I mean, I guess. It's either that or maybe... Adams goes there and Martin swaps places with him and comes back to the 49ers. I wouldn't hate that, to be honest. With no, you. I, I think that's very possible. I would absolutely sign for that. Um, or Tariq Ahmad could, could uh, get promoted. I don't know what the 49ers plans are, but I feel like if they really wanted to keep Adam Peters, and thank you everybody for the birthday love in the chat. I appreciate that. But if they really wanted to keep Adam Peters, when they announced that Lynch was the president of football operations, they should have just promoted Adam Peters to GM at that time, right? That's what you do if you want to keep him and you don't want him to interview anywhere else. If, if it's that important to you, you nail it down then, don't you? Well, I got a theory on that. I, I have no idea if it's true. It's just a thought that I have not heard you bring up because I've heard you bring up that point on multiple shows already this week. My thought on that is, if Peters accepts that promotion, the 49ers can deny him interviews for other GM positions because it has to be a promotion. Right. So he might have been offered it, and he said, no, I want it for real or not at all so that you can't deny me interviews for a real GM position. You know what I mean? It probably wasn't phrased in that way, but I could see them saying, hey, we want to give you the GM title, and him saying, well, if there's still another guy that gets final say on personnel over me, I don't want that title so that I still have control of my own future. Hmm. That's a good point, I suppose. And we don't know, like... You suppose. You know, damn well, it's a great point. We don't know <laughs> how much, like you're saying, if, let's say, Peters was promoted to GM, how much, like, actual GM power would he have? I don't know. Would John Lynch go into more of kind of a ceremonial-type role? I'm not quite sure. Um, and I still don't know how important Adam Peters is. I can't decide. And I don't know if there's any way that we'll ever know for sure. Vish tends to think that Kyle Shanahan is more important. I talked with Guy Haberman of the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. He thinks Adam Peters is very important. So I guess I need a tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, I would say both of those are true. Kyle is the more important piece because he does have some personnel say, um, and coaching to me is more important than GM, even though GM is massively important, but I would say that Adam Peters is super important because I think he does most of the, uh, oversees most of the scouting and makes the final decisions on 
And I know Grant kind of shares a similar philosophy that Peters has more to do with the later rounds than the early rounds. And the later rounds is where the Niners make up for their misses in the early rounds. <laughs> True. So, I, I think Peters is incredibly important, but I do like, if I had to pick between Peters and Shanahan, I'm picking the coach every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without question. Uh, I think that everything that has come out of this era is a direct result of hiring Kyle Shanahan for sure. And look, we have seen the 49ers. They replaced Robert Sala. They replaced D'Amico Ryans. They replaced Rand Carthon. They replaced Martin Mayhew. Like, they have been able to continue keeping the train moving down the tracks while having to fill a lot of key positions. And that's not something we should take for granted. That's a skill, too, that people in the organization, mainly Kyle, have to have. And so far, they have done it. Although I do have to wonder, Levin, like, at some point, don't all these losses take their toll? It depends, because I think the reason why so many defensive coordinators have been able to come in and find success, including the first two being first-time defensive coordinators, is because of Kyle. And we talked about that in the preseason uh, because of the uh, podcast that came out o- over the summer where they talked about how Kyle was the only offensive coach that they've ever seen, and this is like all his buddies. This is LaFleur and yeah. McVeigh and McDaniel all saying that Kyle sits in on the defensive meetings and he knows more than anybody else in that room. So I think that allows him to help that defensive coordinator, you know, along, help him set a game plan for the game. I'm sure he probably gives him pointers like, hey, these are the plays that I think might be more of your bread and butter, this style of coverage. So stick to this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm sure at halftime he goes, hey, this is what they're doing. You should make these adjustments. So I, I think he makes it very easy. And all you need is a smart defensive mind there and they can learn how to become a good defensive coordinator. And that's the effect of Kyle. That's why he might be the most valuable coach at this point. Until he wins the Super Bowl, you can't say he's the best coach. But I would say maybe he's the most valuable because I think he is unique in that. The amount that he improves the defense as well as the offense, I don't think there's any other coach like that in the league. And it has to do, like you said, with how he came up in the profession. So really good idea by him, by the way. If I was a young coach, I would absolutely steal that idea. Go sit in the opposite side of the ball's meeting room. Learn what they learn. Learn how they think. So then you can destroy them when the time comes. I mean, there have been some people that that would be able to do that because they made a switch at some point in their career. Right. Uh, I actually was listening to our competitor locked on. They talked about Bobby Slowick. And one of the aspects that's attractive to him being a head coach is the fact that he came up as a defensive coach. His father was an NFL defensive coach. He knew that side of the ball, but then in 2019, he transitioned to the offense with the 49ers, and now he's considered like the next young offensive mind out of that whole Shanahan tree. But he actually had a background in defense, so he knows both sides. And he's had a couple of uh, interview requests as well. I can't remember the teams off the top of my head, but I have seen that. Jesse Niners says Levin's hat is dripping. People like your hat. Where'd you get that hat? From the NFL shop. Oh, look at you. Uh, By the way, there's not just people sniffing around Adam Peters. There's also people sniffing around Steve Wilkes. We know the Chargers want to interview him. And early this morning, Mike Garofolo tweeted out the Falcons have requested permission to interview Steve Wilkes for their head coaching job. Kind of surprised. I knew he would have some interest. I didn't know that he'd have multiple teams, Levin. Are you worried at all about Steve Wilkes uh, flying the coop? I would say very low. 
I don't think he'll end up getting a job this time. I think if he's smart, he's patient and waits for the right one. Now, I would say the Falcons might be one that I would be willing to jump for because they basically have a crazy talented roster minus the quarterback. Um, now, that's easier said than done, obviously, to find the quarterback, but they have tons of talent there to to mess with, and I would say you could probably attract a lot of the top offensive minds out there as a potential coordinator because of all the weapons that they have. That would be an attractive spot for an offensive coordinator, which is what he would need. But if I'm being honest, my thought is a lot of this has to do with the whole Rooney rule. Yes, he might he has the chance to win the job because he is a smart guy, but it's a year too soon. But you need a minority candidate that you try to avoid giving somebody an interview that just comes off as, yeah, we're giving a token interview to a minority candidate to fulfill that rule. And that would be Wilkes. Wilkes, a former head coach, coaching one of the top defenses on one of the top teams. It's an easy checkbox to make, so to speak. To be clear, you're not saying Steve Wilkes doesn't deserve a head coaching job. You're just right. saying you think he's not the hottest candidate out there, right. but he is a he's a worthy candidate. And oh, by the way, he happens to satisfy this rule. I, I believe that's what it is. It doesn't mean that he can't go in and blow people away. Like when Sean McVay got his head coaching job, he wasn't seen as somebody that was likely to get one, that it was too early for him. But then he blew away the Rams in the interview. And uh, Falk famously told their GM, if you don't hire him, you made a mistake after meeting with McVay as a favor. To me, Wilkes, he could, but I think it's a very small percentage chance. I think teams want him to do it multiple years, kind of refresh. And as you have mentioned, he has that lawsuit. I think most teams would want that finished before because what if, what if he needs to do a disposition in the middle of the season or whatever? Like, you don't want your head coach dealing with a lawsuit. You mean a deposition? Deposition, sorry. What did I say? Disposition. Uh, That's a different well, thing. Yes, it is. Well, here's the other thing, and I don't really know what to do with. And we saw this with D'Amico Ryans, right? D'Amico left to go to Houston, and he took Bobby Slowick with him. Yeah. Steve Wilkes has no defensive staff. He, <laughs> he had to work with a yep. defensive staff that was already here. He sure. doesn't have the ties to these coaches necessarily that somebody else might. If he does leave to become a head coach, I don't know who he would take with him. That might not be necessarily as damaging as it normally is when somebody from your staff gets poached. That is true. And it's an interesting aspect that weighs very heavy in these interviews from everything I've heard from former GMs, former yes. coaches, they all talk about who you can have as your staff is a big determining factor on whether or not you get the job. Because when you go into these interviews, they go, okay, who's going to be on your staff? And yep. you have to present, these are the people that will be on my staff that can be my offensive coordinator, can be my defensive coordinator. And if they don't like them, you're not getting that job. So I think that is an interesting aspect. And along those lines, I did like this comment here from Darrell McDougall saying, I think Greasy will have an opportunity to be a coach or an OC somewhere within the next two years. Maybe if Wilkes leaves, he takes him as an OC. Hmm, that'd and look, they talk about it. I think it was Bobby Slowick who said, like, D'Amico Ryans was telling him last year, hey, if I get a job, would you come with me? Like, they, yeah. it's you talk about it. And usually, from what I've heard, when you go to these coaching interviews, you have to have, like, a book. And it's like a book of your philosophy, and it has your staff in it. Like, teams want to know... Who are you getting? It's not just, oh, we'll hire you and then you figure it out. Like a lot of this stuff is is set up. At it. That's why people always talk about 
was this defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator distracted by the head coaching process? Because it's not just like, hey, you go talk about football. You got to have this stuff lined up. You got to make a presentation. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes time out of your day to prepare, which, by the way, it's awesome that Wilkes can do all this on the bye week. It's fantastic. Um, so that's good news from a 49ers perspective. Yeah. Before we get off the topic, I, I want to say, like, a storyline that would be fascinating to me. I don't know that I would actually want to see it because it means the 49ers have to replace a bunch of people again. But what if Wilkes gets a head coaching job, mm-hmm. brings Greasy as his offensive coordinator, okay. and they go out and trade for Trey Lance? Uh, Wilkes. Would, yeah. Well, that? the team that they go to. That would be a fascinating storyline that obviously we would be involved with and talk to death. But that's just like <laughs> a fascinating possibility. You know what I mean? Like, I, part of me wants to see it just to see what happens with that in the crazy storyline that it would present. But then I don't want to see it because it means we have to get another defensive coordinator and we have to replace Greasy, who is clearly doing a fantastic job at developing quarterbacks because you you got Purdy. Well, some people thought that Houston might go that route, maybe trade for Lance and then do other stuff with their picks. Obviously, they didn't do that. And, and clearly they made the right choice. CJ Stroud looks fantastic. Uh, that'd be an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, the one comforting thing for me is that if greasy did leave, like, again, like we talked about, it's Kyle, it's Kyle's offense. Like, cause what you want for your young quarterback is stability. You want things to stay the same so that he doesn't have to learn a new system that he can just continue to grow in the system that is there. Brock himself has talked about, you know, where he's better in this system year one to year two. So you want things to stay the same. And that's the benefit of having, your head coach be your offensive coordinator. No matter who comes and goes on the offensive staff, it's Kyle. And so Brock is not going to have that development slowed right. or delayed or anything. But that's all the more reason why Greasy would want to leave if he was given play calling ability because as long as he's with, I mean, he he's going to fall into the McDaniel uh, aspect that as long as he's with Kyle, he's going to struggle to get the credit that he might deserve to have. and even if he gets the offensive coordinator title, there's still going to be a question of how much is it really him. Now, McDaniel was able to overcome that. That doesn't mean the next person in line will. True. That's a good point. And I don't I don't know if Greasy wants to right. be anything more than a quarterback coach. That's the other part of it. Remember, he almost didn't come back. Like, he was yeah. maybe considering, you know, just spending time with the family, doing whatever. Um, obviously, he came back, and maybe his preferences have changed. I have no idea. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Adam McGurk 
Thank you very much for the donation, YouTube channel member. Happy birthday, Stats. Not trying to derail the convo, and I know Kicker Talk has been beat to death. I don't understand your lack of concern, so I want to hear two things you're more concerned about for the playoffs than Kicker. Well, all right, Adam, no problem. By the way, shout out to all the YouTube channel members. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. It's greatly appreciated by me. If you want to pay $4 a month, you get early access to 49ers and 5, our daily five-minute update. Keeps you in the know on everything going on with the 49ers. If you pay the extra dollar a month, you get immediate access to that as soon as it is finished. Okay, Adam. Funny you mentioned that, actually, because there is a column on ESPN.com right now about like three concerning things for each team in the playoffs. And I got to tell you, the ones for the 49ers, it just goes to show how good of a spot the 49ers are in because the ones for the 49ers are so nitpicky. And this is Nick Wagner, by the way, who I feel like does great work. The first thing he mentions is coming from behind. And he points out that the Niners trailed at halftime three times this year. They lost all three games. They trailed going into the fourth quarter four times this year. They lost all four of those games. So that's definitely listed as one thing. I'm not even really as concerned about that. What I'm concerned about more than Jake Moody is the run defense, specifically the run defense without Eric Armstead. And I think that was actually listed in the in this article. Um, the Niners run defense with Eric Armstead was allowing less than three yards per carry, which is, or less than four yards per carry, excuse me, 3.7 without Eric Armstead, they were allowing 4.5 yards per carry. Now Armstead supposedly can play. Kyle said he could have played last week against the Rams. So hopefully that's good. But if they have to face the Rams and Eric Armstead's not healthy, Kyron Williams could have a lot of success. Yeah, Kyron Williams is definitely a, a, something to be scared about in that matchup. It's a wrinkle that the 49ers haven't really dealt with because they played him early in the season before they emerged, and then they played him in the final week when he was being rested. Same with the 49ers resting a bunch of people. So that's an aspect that the 49ers haven't dealt with. And when they had a really good running back and Todd Gurley, the Rams were capable of beating the 49ers. Now, granted, the 49ers weren't what they are now during that time either, but the point remains, like, it is a different level of team when they have a running back that's a difference maker, and Kyron Williams might be the second best running back in the league now. I am also concerned about the special teams, mainly punt and kickoff returns, punt and kickoff coverage. Now, the good news there is, one, it looks like Ray Ray McLeod's going to be back, which apparently he had like two or three broken ribs earlier in the year. Ouch. And two, the Niners have opened the window on Oren Burks, who is a phenomenal. Am, am I? Hold on. Is it Oren Burks or is it George Odom? For some reason, I get those two George confused. Odom, I believe. It's, yeah. Oren Burks is the third linebacker. For some reason, in my head, I conflate those two people. They're separate people. Yeah, you're a moron. We get it. We know this. Well-established. Odom, I believe, is still tied for the team leading in special teams tackles as I skip right past that insult on my birthday. <laughs> Getting him back would really calm those concerns for me because the Niners themselves were concerned about their kickoff coverage unit. It's why they kept they told Jake Moody to keep kicking everything through the end zone. Right, and they should keep doing that. We've had this conversation yes. privately and on the channel Pretty much every single week. Never, ever 
kick off so that the other team can return it. There is zero reason to do it. The four to five yards you might gain in field position from tackling them at the 20 is not worth it. There is zero reason to ever allow another team to have a return in the league with the changes that they made. Like, zero. Just don't do it. I completely agree with you, and I hope they do stick with that. Chris Waddell says, all I know is please keep Jim Harbaugh away from the Seahawks. Do not want him in our division, turning them into tough as nails franchise. I will say this. I do think there's some part of Jim Harbaugh that likes the idea of, one, coming back and playing his old team, two, coming back for the Seahawks and playing his old team, and he could sort of, in a way, stick it to Jed York and Pete Carroll at the same time. I was going to say three, stick it to Pete Carroll. Those two had the rivalry when they were both in the then Pac-10, became Pac-12, and now nothing. You're welcome. I know we probably have a lot of Pac-12 people out there. Uh, I'm not one of them. So, yeah, I'm going to mention the Pac-12 no longer exists. Right. R.I.P. But, yes, they had a big rivalry. They hated each other. Um, And it's funny because they almost look in in the mirror at each other. They're both, while in college, like, hey, we're going to cheat to win. And if it comes back, I'm going to jump to the NFL. Well, they had the same M.O., you know, and they're both highly successful. Uh, Chris also says, Levin, you're the cool stats research guy. Is there a site that lists how many tackles Warner has missed? Just curious. I believe if you dig far enough, Pro Football Reference does list that. Um, to the individual, I know they're listed by team. Um, all I'll say on missed tackles, I don't value it at all when it comes to the individual because it is widely subjective. And if you go to different sites, they will be massively different on who got the missed tackle. And even if you look at the team missed tackles, like the PFF missed tackles and the pro football reference missed tackles are a lot of times wildly different. There was a point when we had all the missed tackles in those back-to-back weeks and that became a big topic of conversation. The 49ers on pro football reference were number two in the league for the least missed tackles. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't think so. So I will say that, like, I don't, I don't value the missed tackles statistic because I don't think that there's any consistency in what they deem a missed tackle. Kind of like wide receiver drops in that way. Wide receiver drops it a little bit better, but it's highly subjective. And there's plenty of times where a ball clangs off a wide receiver's, both his palms hit the ball and they don't give it a drop because, oh, well, I deemed he had to reach a little too far. So I'm not considering that. You're right. It's just not consistent enough. The other part of it, too, is and it's almost like errors in baseball, right? Like if you're a shortstop who has no range, you might not have a lot of errors because you just you can't get close enough to the ball to make an error on it. Whereas someone who has more range could have more errors because they're able to actually get to balls that worse fielders can't get to. It's the same thing with Fred Warner in football. He's so fast and so rangy that he can get close to a lot of ball carriers that most inside linebackers can't get to. So he might attempt a tackle, whereas somebody else who's slower or not as good at reading the offense doesn't even get there, so they don't get the missed tackle. That doesn't excuse everything, of course, but you it's hard to know the context when you just see the raw number. Right, and that, that is a good point. Uh, I had never actually kind of put it in those terms in my mind. that There's a lot of what looks like a missed tackle from Fred Warner, where it's just him barely getting there and getting an arm reached out on the guy that pretty much every other middle linebacker in the league, other than maybe Greenlaw 
wouldn't even get the arm there. Like they would just be continuing to chase from behind because they never got got there in time to even make an attempt. It's almost like you forgot I make so many good points on this show. I wouldn't say so many. See, if you just said you made good points, I could agree with you. But then you had to put the so many in there, and it's like, all right, no, nah, I don't think so. Chris says uh, missed tackles are similar to pressures. They're different everywhere. Yes, they are. When you look at the playoff schedule this weekend, what is the game that you are like going to be locked in on? You talked about it yesterday with Grant, Green Bay, Dallas. I would argue those are the two teams I'm most worried about playing too. Not the Green, Rams. Green Bay and Rams are close. I just it, it comes down to familiarity, and to me, I'm more confident in the 49ers because of Kyle Shanahan. The more they've played a team, the more familiar they are with them. The 49ers haven't played Green Bay with Jordan Love. Jordan Love has an ability to run that Matt Stafford doesn't. Now, I would argue that the run game is a lot better for the Rams. And I would argue McVay is head and shoulders above LaFleur. Like, I feel like it's Kyle Shanahan slightly below is McVay. And then way down here is everybody else in that tree like LaFleur. Um, so that's why like green Bay scares me a little bit just because of not knowing them and them having a quarterback who can run now their wide receivers are not good. So I'm not overly worried. Um, it's not like I'm hugely scared, but I feel like them and the Rams are kind of on the same level. The Cowboys are the team I least want to play just because they have the highest potential. Like they, they have the most talent and like Parsons could finally have a game where they go, you know, we're going to move him away from Trent Williams. And then suddenly Parsons goes off. You know, there's this mute button thing that you could hit. Man, every show. <laughs> um, do you do that with anybody else and you just cut it out of the podcast version? No, because my other co hosts <laughs> don't ramble the way you do. So I don't oh, have to do while you're talking. Don't make uh, so many good points, is what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> The Packers, I agree, like Jordan Love is is a legitimate quarterback, I think, and and could pose some issues, but their defense is so bad. Like, I have no worry. Yeah. Literally, if the 49ers played the Packers, they might score every time, and there's no way Jordan Love is going to score every time. So, yes, Jordan Love, you know, there's some fear, not fear, but there's some unknown there, but the Packers defense, I'm not worried about. The Cowboys, I don't know. I, I give Green Bay a real shot tonight. Like, there is a legitimate yeah. chance that we go into the divisional round where the Cowboys are gone and the Rams are gone. And if that's, and the Eagles could be gone too, which is like, that's a legitimate thing. If that's not like the craziest thought in the whole world. And I feel like three weeks ago, it would have been. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would say like, it would just be a continuation of what we've seen over the last like month where every single thing, the 49ers have needed to happen has happened like when we were in the bye week who would have thought 12 and 5 would get the 49ers the one seed i would right. have never thought that was i would have put the percentage chance of that happening at zero percent at that point because the eagles look like world beaters the cowboys were still looking pretty good like and and detroit was still winning a bunch of games i would have thought there's no way all of those teams falter and five <laughs> five losses can get you the one seed a good point i hadn't you know i didn't look go back and think of that but 
a lot of things have come up sevens for the 49ers this year from Brock's recovery to the injury issues. I mean, they've had some injury issues, but correct me if I'm wrong, Levin, they haven't had this amount of health at this point in the season, maybe in the Shanahan era. I feel like this is as healthy as they've been going into the playoffs. Especially if Armstead comes back. Like that would mean what? The, the only major injury that they would have would be Hufanga. Yes. I don't think there I don't think there'd be any other there, there might be a few that are like, oh well, they would have played some, but there's no like major injury. They would have every starter. They would have even most of the backups to that starter. Um, and I hate I hate to bag on a guy that's hurt, but have we missed Hufanga at all? It's uh, Jair Brown has been fantastic filling in for him. He's been as good as you could hope. Like there hasn't been a, an instant reaction or a game where we're sitting here being like, man, if they just had Hufanga, they would have made that play. Like, no, he's been he's been solid. Yeah, and Deshaun Gibson had, had a phenomenal season as the other safety. Like, he wasn't targeted much, but if I if I remember correctly, and this changed a little bit in the few last few weeks, I think he was third in the NFL for all safeties in terms of lowest rating allowed when targeted. Again, this is a guy that they picked up like right before, you know, like late in training camp. Like he was an afterthought and he's been a really good starter for them for two years now. Last year, he led the team in interceptions and this year he's been fantastic and he's really helped. I'm I'm sure he's helped Jair Brown, you know, very young safety. Um, So that has been an and, you know, we again, that's another thing, right? Was that Adam Peters? Was that Kyle Shanahan? Like, was that John Lynch? We don't even know who to credit for that. Uh, Chris Waddell says, starting to think stats does the mute button on purpose, becoming a signature on this show. Also, happy birthday. Lions are the team I'm most scared of because of their run game. Yeah. I'm not scared of them because golf will screw it up. (laughs) But the Gibbs-Montgomery combination, like, that is a tough thing to handle. Like, Gibbs is one of the few running backs in this league that if you give him the ball, you might see him make four guys miss and yeah. run for an 80-yard touchdown. Those are the guys that scare me the most in the play. That's what Lamar is, right? Like, right. He can just do it himself. Because I don't think the Niners are going to get out-schemed at this point, but there are those guys. I do think the Lions, uh, the, the Niners would be able to move the ball in the Lions' defense. Yeah. I feel confident about that. Glass City says, let's see if Tig, uh, Jair Brown, if you don't know, his nickname is Tig. Let's see if he shows up in the playoffs. It's a totally different atmosphere. He's still a rookie. OCs will attack his way. Yes, I think that's a fair thing. But also, like, I think it's it's easier to adjust to that if you're Wilkes. If you know, like, all right, they're going after this guy. Like, we can adjust and we can deal with that. And it's not like he can make any bigger of a screw up than what one of his predecessors did in the playoffs. So, like, how bad can it get? <laughs> He's not going to drop a game-winning interception that literally hits him in the chest. I mean, I don't want, there was like 90 seconds left in that game. Or no, there was way more than 90 seconds. What am I talking about? I think it was there was four or five minutes. minutes, yeah. Yeah. But thanks for bringing that up on my birthday. I really do appreciate that. Well, we're talking about the Rams. You don't think that it's going to be brought up? I suppose. Like, that's one of the reasons why I'm not overly scared of the Rams. Stafford will make that throw every single game. It's just up to the defense to catch it. Stafford is a massive turnover machine. Does he make crazy good passes that mostly make up for that? Absolutely. But he will give the defense the chance 
at interceptions. And this defense, the last two years, has been the best in the league at getting interceptions. So I feel like I'm not overly scared because the Rams will turn the ball over when they play the 49ers. And I feel like if you turn the ball over against this 49ers team, you can't win. Assuming the 49ers are also not turning the ball over. Well, yes, but they do, they've they've had what two games where they turned the ball over a bunch of times this season. I I just feel like if you give this offense extra chances, they're going to have over thirty points. I would agree. Uh, that's what they have shown so far. Um, but again, we don't even know. Like, I really think we could go into the second round playing Tampa Bay. I don't think that's like totally out of the question, which is crazy to think. But there's a lot of permutations of the schedule that work out to the 49ers. And if they go into the if they go into the playoffs feeling Tampa uh, playing Tampa Bay, how good would you feel? They could have their little tune-up playoff game against the Bucks, not even need to play their best game, destroy them in the divisional round, and then you go into the championship game relatively rested. You've there's no rust because you've worked through that in the game before. And then it's like holy crap, full speed ahead. How 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 worried am I going to be? I'm not going to be worried about playing any of these teams. Like I, I feel like I, that should be clear, and I think you feel the same way. We're not worried about playing any of the teams. There's just a few teams that have a certain aspect to them that's like, okay, that could rear its head. That could be something that the 49ers struggle with. So I have a little bit of being scared of them, but I, I'm not going to feel – you know, ooh, sitting on the edge of my seat in any of these games. I might get to that point, depending on how the game goes. But they could play any team in the second round, and I'm going to be crazy confident they're going to win. Captain T. Morgan says, Happy birthday, Stats. 39 is the new 29 Bang Bang Niner game, and go Big Red Levin. Big Red? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard that one before. Oh, I know. what. He, I know. Uh, we can ban that guy. He's talking about Nebraska because they upset my number one Purdue Boilermakers. Ah, Big Captain, Red. You're always welcome here, Captain. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's probably the guy that uh, got after me on Twitter. Aha. Uh-huh. Any fear or worry or hesitation about Brock Purdy? I know he played in two playoff games last year, but he's still a relatively inexperienced quarterback in the playoffs. Or do you think like, hey, he's, he worked through any of that stuff last year? Yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about it. He the last year gives me more confidence, but he's also, and we talked about that going into last year's playoffs. Yes. He's the type of person that you don't really have that concern. There's only one time in his entire career that I felt like I see a little bit of that deer in the headlights. Like he's a little bit overwhelmed. And that was the Ravens game. And I think that look was more about like, he couldn't believe he kept turning the ball over. Not so much. (laughs) A, I have no idea what's going on here. I'm confused. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of young quarterbacks, when they get into the playoffs and they face the these crazy defenses, they get overwhelmed and they're like, I have no clue what's going on. I'm lost. I don't I don't see that coming from him. I, I can't picture that. Because even if that was the case, I feel like he would go to the sideline and he would talk to Greasy and he would talk to Kyle, specifically Kyle. Because we've seen... Sometimes Kyle will talk to Brock and not even really be watching what's going on in the field defensively. I feel like Kyle would just pull him to the side and be like, here's what they're doing. And here's how we're going to fix it. Here's how we're going to going to adjust. Um, what, what Brock said after the Ravens game about getting caught up in the moment 
That to me is something that maybe could have happened in the playoffs, but I feel like because it happened in the regular season, he went through it. He recognized it. I feel like that kind of really lessens the chance that that would happen again. Yeah. He, he fell into the gunslinger mentality. Oh, I made a mistake. I got to do something special to make up for it. And the lesson out of that is if you make a mistake, don't try to be special to make up for it. Just do your job. And that will be good enough because Kyle Shanahan and your supporting cast is great. You will end up scoring the touchdowns and everybody will forget about that mistake. Right. The The way to sort of make up for it is by not doing anything special. That's the, right. the benefit of the position that you're in. You don't have to be Superman. You don't have to make a big throw. Just do the regular stuff and you will get the result. Like you said, the touchdown, the points that you want. Yeah, sing the Scrubs theme song to yourself. Do you know that reference? I'm no Superman. There you go. I love Scrubs. Don't. <laughs> How dare you question me? Scrubs was like my show. Like, oh, I've had a bad day. I just want to laugh. Yeah. Let me throw on Scrubs. A coordinated ace five on Twitch. Shout out to everybody on Twitch. Says no concerns about Brock. He learned and adapted. If given an opportunity, he has proven he will take it and execute. That has been the thing that you've loved about Brock is he sees it. He lets it rip. No fear. And and it's worked out beautifully for him obviously this year um and hopefully that continues in the playoffs twister chavez has happy birthday stats i look forward every morning to your 49ers in five thank you thank you very much i appreciate it m plue says happy birthday mr guerrera spelled guerrera correctly too bonus points for that there's i prefer to think of that name as mp louie because it just sounds more fun but you're probably right Oh, I'm terrible with the names. I apologize. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure Plu because I have a friend from college whose last name was Plu. So probably you're probably right. I was just looking at it in the comments before you threw it up. One, he spelled your last name correct. And I know you mentioned that yesterday on the show that somebody actually spelled your name correct. Uh, and yeah, I was looking at it going, boy, it'd be a lot funnier if his name was MP Louie. I know this is super important to the show, but. That is such a pet peeve of mine when people say my name wrong or spell it wrong. And I hate when I do it to other people. And I have a mental block when it comes to Jair Brown. I can't spell his name. I can't do it. I can't even say it out loud. It's terrible. I feel awful about it. I have literally tried writing it down and saying it to myself. I don't know why. It's something about the J and the A and the apostrophe. It's messing with my brain. I I can't get past it. I will say, uh, I don't know if you remember, but when we were newer, I think we were still doing no huddle on 49ers Webzone. I I think I texted you asking, so are you like from Central America or what? Because I thought your last name was Guerrero. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, I'm Italian. And I was like, oh. A lot of names. A lot of people have asked that. Uh, Walton101 on Twitch says, birthday tamales to celebrate today. Have a great day. I still haven't had a tamale. And I got to tell you, I have no plans to change that anytime. No, you're going to change that. What you're going to do is you're going to go to Trader Joe's because they do have decent ones. Get the refrigerated ones, not the frozen ones. Uh, I would say get the pork ones. Porks are always best in my opinion. Get some of those. Those are the ones that I typically have in my fridge for when I feel like a tamale. Because So a tamale, it's super easy to eat because it's like surrounded in like a cornmeal so it, so it's it's almost like a it, it's even better than a hot pocket because it reheats so much faster mm-hmm. but that's kind of like my go-to i need to eat something quick that's easy i don't need a fork for it and i just heat up a tamale 
I wasn't listening to most of that, not going to lie, because I want to get to this comment. <laughs> Brand new says the Rams are smacking the Niners in the playoffs. I just want to say, are we really sure? Like right now, the Rams had the reputation as like the big bad team, right? Let's go back just quickly and take a look at the Rams and maybe we can figure some things out. Let me just throw their schedule up on the screen. All right. Here is the Rams schedule. They beat Seattle coming out of the bye. They beat Seattle 17-16. They beat Arizona. They whooped Cleveland to their credit. They absolutely stomped the Browns. They lost a close game to the Ravens in overtime. Then they beat Washington, New Orleans, New York, and the 49ers in a meaningless game. It's a lot of tomato cans in there, Levin. Are we sure that the Rams are like this big bad team or have they been playing a bunch of scrubs? They've been playing a bunch of scrubs. The Cleveland win is impressive. I think that was Flacco's first start, if I'm not mistaken. That's before Flacco said, F*** it, I'm just going to throw deep every time. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially what he's doing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they didn't have that impressive, but that's true of every single NFC team other than the 49ers. The Cowboys, who did they beat? Nobody. The Eagles, who did they beat? Nobody. The Rams, nobody. The Bucks, nobody. Nobody's beaten an impressive team other than the 49ers beating all of those teams, essentially. Like, those are the impressive wins in the NFC. Diego says, by the way, I'm Mexican and not really a big Tamales fan. There you go. See? Uh, Gianni says, happy birthday from Italy. Appreciate you. Love that. Love going international on the program. Uh, JM617 says, Rams lost to the Niners, Dallas, Philly, Ravens, and they beat up on little kids. I'm not saying the Rams are a bad team, but I'm just saying, like, people are like, oh, they're going to the playoffs. They're so hot. All this stuff. It's like. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they're just a slightly above average and not like this big juggernaut. And look, maybe we'll feel differently if they go out and beat the Lions. I don't know. But I know that there is extreme confidence right now with the Rams and their fan base. And I'm saying it might be a little overblown. I mean, it's impressive that they won as many games as they did having so many road games. Because they didn't have a home game. They never have a home game. Every single game gets taken over by the opposing fans. Yeah, true. But I'm going to test your Italian hood right now. You only said Gianni. Pronounce his last name. Pastore. There you go. Okay. I was making sure you were going to say Ray at the end rather than Re, as most American Italians like to say. Dude. I'm just making sure. Levin Black is going to test my Italianness. Hey. I've been in Italy. Thank you very much. Oh, well, you've been in Italy. Yes, I am an expert because I spent a whole two weeks in Italy once. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an expert on how crappy their training schedule is because nobody in Italy sticks to a schedule. I'll give you that one. Well, okay. Um, I don't really specifically remember. Hey, that's why you misschedule this show all the time. It's the (laughs) Italian in you. (laughs) There is a lot of... Aha! Johnny says, excellent pronunciation. There you go. I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> there's a, a lot of arguing in the chat right now because of brand new, just throwing out, lobbing out grenades <laughs> into the chat. Jake Moody will most likely end the season. I've continued. Yeah, with a game-winning kick in the Super Bowl. Thanks. I've con- <laughs> continued to say. <laughs> oh, your wife has chimed in. How rude, oh. Levin. Your wife is Italian. Yeah. 
She is. Why didn't you mention that? She was she was on those trains. She knows how miserable it was. Well, because she was with you. Probably had more to do with it than trains. You know damn well I'm great company. That's why you're back here talking to me multiple times every single week. I don't know that you're great company because I've never actually been in the same <laughs> room with you. You'll probably be surprised because uh, I'm much more like quiet and laid back when I'm just at home. No, there you go. Uh, also, your wife says these warm chocolate chip cookies are all mine. Oh, we better wrap this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Funny story. My wife and I, we went to Target yesterday, right? Okay. I went one way with the kid in the cart, went by, saw the like pre-made cookie dough. And I was like, I've been craving chocolate chip cookies. I'm grabbing a chocolate chip cookie dough bin. I grab it. I put it in the cart. I go around the corner to a different aisle. I start looking for my wife. I find her. She walks up with a different package of pre-made cookie dough. We went to the same aisle, like within a minute of each other, but didn't see each other. We both had the same idea. <laughs> That's how you know you found the right person. Uh, Mike points out, how is the Rams fan going to say the Niners season is going to end with the field goal kicker when the Rams <laughs> missed 11 field goals yeah. this year? Yeah. True. It's true. Their, their kicker stuff is bad. And I'm mad at my wife right now because she said, happy birthday, Rob, not Woody. Yeah, see, there you go. I appreciate that. Um, we don't even know that it's going to come down to Jake Moody. The last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl in 94, Doug Bryan was a rookie kicker, and he kicked three times that entire playoff run. Like, you just may not need it. Everyone's sitting there saying, oh, it's going to come down to a kick. How do we know? This whole 49ers team is constructed to win and beat you by multiple scores and to not depend on a kicker. So Jake Moody may never kick a friggin' field goal in a, in a clutch situation. It's absolutely true that he might not. Like, field goal kicking, we don't need our Norwood situation. We don't need to cement our legacy as, like, you know, the, the new Buffalo Bills who can never get over the hump. I, I'm just not – like, I, I have said multiple times with you that until he proves he can do it in the clutch, that's a concern of mine. But it's not me sitting here going, I don't want to see him try a kick. I don't – I need to see him replaced. We need to go find somebody else. It's just, that was my concern coming into the draft after they took him that, Hey, I looked at his home road splits. It seems like when he had a pressure kick, he missed. So that's been my concern from before he ever put on a 49ers Jersey. And we have yet to see him have that opportunity other than one time against the Browns have the chance to make a game winning kick. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people saying, oh, he lost us the Rams game. He missed the kicks in the second quarter. Like, it's not yeah. the same as the Browns. It's just yeah. not. Like, the Browns was the basically the last play of the game. And by the way, the Rams kicker missed two. So That's true. If you say all kickers make their kicks, the Niners still lose. Coordinated Ace 5 says, if we are going to use him, use him early and have him get a feel for how the pressure gets to him. Use him in the first game and see how it goes. Then we'll know if we can use him going forward. See, that's the weird thing now. Are we going to be at like, if Jake Moody misses a single kick in the playoffs, they have to cut him. Like it's a, it's a weird, I liked that Kyle came right out and said, Nope, we're good. Like I, I liked, he didn't even open that door. Uh, and I hope that that's not where we're at with Jake Moody. We're like, Oh my God, he has to make every kick. Otherwise we got to get rid of him." I say, ride it out, live or die. You made your bed. You drafted him in the third round. Live with it. Don't let it come down to the kicker. No, you, you give him a second year, no matter what, basically. I mean, if he if he goes out and has like a crazy bad playoff game where he's like 0 for 5 because the 49ers yeah. 
kept needing to go for the field goal for whatever reason, then maybe you'll bring somebody in to compete with them in the offseason because an 0 for 5 playoff game might destroy your confidence and you don't want to count on that. And you would be able to know in like the preseason, all right, this guy's toast. You know what I mean? And that has happened. Like Mike Vanderjet of the Colts from back in the day, he was the most accurate kicker of all time. He missed a game-winning field goal in the playoffs. He couldn't take the criticism that came with that. He went off on some fans in the in the offseason. He came back. He had a horrendous year, and he was never heard from again. He went from the most accurate kicker ever, and he was like a solid decade into his career, to being done because he couldn't handle that he missed a kick in the playoffs. I believe Peyton Manning once referred to him as our idiot liquored-up yes. kicker. Yep. <laughs> Albert Soto says, if Moody does win the game for us, they better have the same energy towards him. Right. That's the other thing too, right? What if he does? I mean, that that's why I'm I'm not as worried about it as other people. Juan Torres says, NFL script, Stafford versus Lions, McCarthy versus Green Bay, Tyreek versus Chiefs. Yes, the storylines for the opening round are, are ridiculous with how they line up. The NFL just falls into these things. Well, I mean, so many people have played for multiple teams or coached multiple teams. You're, you're going to find some storylines. There's all kinds of different possibilities. There's storylines that can happen in the second round that are the same. I've already seen some conspiracy theories that, oh, these teams are going to win so that they can have this matchup in the second round. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure there are. But but like the stafford Goff thing, first of all, it's Stafford's first time back in Detroit. Yeah. He was traded for Goff, who he's now playing against. Like that one really like lines up more than and, and Kelly Stafford is stoking the flames by sticking her nose into the NFL and yeah. speaking up. Well, so apparently there are some lions fans that are trying to like stop other fans from wearing Stafford jerseys as they should. Um, that would be like the 49ers playing the chiefs in the playoffs and a bunch of 49er fans showing up in Joe Montana jerseys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, if they had played each other in the Super Bowl and there was any 49ers fan wearing a Joe Montana jersey when the Chiefs had Montana, that would have been like, what the heck are you doing? I could understand fans that wanted to do it because Matthew Stafford was the only good thing about the Lions for a really long time. Uh, and I understand Kelly Stafford being mad about it, honestly. I kind of I kind of get both sides, which is which is rare for me. <laughs> I usually don't sit on the fence. I think that's pretty honest um if i were a lions fan i would cheer my head off for matthew stafford until the game started yeah I, I think you give him an ovation yes and then that's it i think yeah you should cheer him i mean he's the best quarterback you've ever had but once the game starts you want him to fail you want right. him to throw four picks like that and after the game you can cheer him again but in that 60 minutes there are no friends you know, so that's what I would do if I was a Lions fan. But one last question before we go. Are you going to order Peacock to watch Dolphins Chiefs? I already have it. There's already been NFL games on Peacock exclusively. So, yeah, I, I, I already have it because I'm an NFL junkie. If there's a game on, I want to be able to watch it. That's why I've had Sunday ticket every year for like a decade now, because I need to watch. If there's a game I'm interested in, I want to be able to watch it. Man, I'm not a Peacock member and I ain't ordering it. I'll find another way to watch it, but I ain't ordering it. No way. 
Forget that NFL. What are we going to make this pay-per-view? Get the hell out of here. I'm not well, doing it. I get Peacock for $2 a month. So, Ooh, how do you do that? Because I'm a college student again. Oh. <laughs> All right. That just ruined my day. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We just went over 2 million views for the YouTube channel, which is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much, everybody. We just started this thing almost a year ago. In about a week, it'll be a year where we really started to uh, produce content on the channel because that's when I got laid off from SB Nation. So to have 2 million views in the span of a year is insane. And we had 1 million like a month and a half ago. So we gained a million views you know, in a very, very short amount of time. And that's a credit to everybody out there. So thank you. Thank you for the support. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to do this. It's nice that uh, there's a while there that I thought, boy, I might not have a podcast anymore. I might not have that outlet to me. I know the the uh, stakes were a little bit higher for you <laughs> than that. But yeah, like last end of January, I was thinking, well, damn, I'm not going to have that outlet anymore. And since then, we've been on 95.7 The Game. And we've got the, the YouTube channel up and running, the podcast. We've had almost 3 million downloads of the podcast in 2023. So thank you so much, everybody. I literally could not live. I could not put food on the table for my family without you. And I promise I will never, ever, ever take that for granted. So we appreciate all the support. I won't let them. That's what I'm here for. Yes. Gotta keep them humble. And also, we are going to do a show on Sunday, even though the 49ers don't play. Levin, you're going to do a show with me, right? Hold on. Hold on. Because we, we've gone back and forth. Our plan was to do a show after the games once we knew the opponent, but we had forgotten there's a Monday game. And it so happens they chose the Monday game to be a game that could very much decide who the 49ers play. So we're we just going to do it Sunday with that game pending, or are we going to do it Monday after we know? I think we should do it Sunday because, for example, if the Packers beat the Cowboys on Sunday, they're playing yeah. the Packers. We uh, will true. know. And if the Rams beat the Lions, they're playing the Rams. So we may know on Sunday who the 49ers are going to play. So I think we should do it Sunday. Okay. Fine by me. I just want to might as well talk it out so that everybody knows. There you go. So we're going to do a show. We'll react to everything that goes on. And of course, hopefully by then we'll know who the, and honestly, if we don't know, and you're telling me then the 49ers could likely play the friggin' bucks or the Eagles. Like, yes, please sign me up for that too. So Sunday will be a fun day for all of us. Thank you. Brand new for the donation and the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.